What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Blog Talk Radio. All right, I'm going to start it real quick. This is um, Global, Global Scarves Yellow Card Podcast. I'm, I'm Stephen Brandt of whatever place you want to say I am. Um, I, before I bring Keith on, I do want to put a disclaimer on this show. Um, apparently, it has come to my mention that some of my words and some of my openings over the last year, year and a half, have been not setting right with people. That is not my intention. Keith can attest to this. I'm probably one of the unintentionally funniest people. I mean, if I if I have hurt your feelings or made you feel bad in anything I've said outside of ripping Manchester United, I want to apologize. That's not my goal. I am I am insanely sarcastic and probably really biting. So from from this point forward. I am not going to lead off the show with anything sarcastic or ripping in anything unless it's um, sacrilegious. It's, it's, I have heard through the grapevine of certain people that aren't with this. So, anyway, let's bring him on. He's Keith O'Kinder from Columbus. And we have a jam-packed show. Um, at, the bottom oh, of the yeah. hour, uh, at the bottom of the hour, I'm bringing on a guests just because I feel that we, we we do better on the show. We do well on the show with two people. I figured a third would be good, and I haven't had him on in a while. Trying to see lock of, well, Des Moines, Iowa. And I wish that man had another thing I could talk to him about, but anyway, I just wanted to throw him in. We've got bazillion things to talk about, and number one off the top is um, Gus Johnson stepping down. Now, I, I know Part of this is Keith is putting his name in for it, which I wouldn't blame him. Anybody worth their salt that has done play-by-play for 30 seconds in soccer should do that. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give him the floor on that. But also I'm going to I'm going to I've been listening to Jonathan Canwell. He's filling in for Jason Davis for at least two days. I don't know who's I don't know who's got the rest of the weekend. I kind of hope it's Aaron Stolard just because. It's always, good, it's always good to hear Stolar. Too bad he's not doing his show. Too bad the Big Question show hasn't been hasn't been around in a year, which uh, is frustrating. Or Pablo Mauer, because he, hearing Pablo Mauer in the morning would be kind of funny. Though I don't think you could get Pablo to do a daily show with his shtick. It would not. It it would be like if you put if it would be like if you put Dane Cook on and say he can't swear. So anyway. Um, Thing with Gus Johnson, I now I I'm hesitant to rip into him because we have found a reason why he stepped down. There were two there were two reasons with this. One, he said in the press release that he was why he was leaving is that he you shouldn't have to do a to do a game. You shouldn't have to cram to learn the sport as much as he had to, and it's doing a good big disservice to the sport, which is rightfully so. And the other part was, and this really comes to bite me, for the new listeners of this show, the only way I, the only reason why I am back doing, doing a podcast is because my mother died, God, almost three years ago at this point. Um, so I have a lot of, I, I feel very sorry for Gus because I know what it's like, and I'm, I'm younger by, younger than Gus by a lot actually, which is, see. You know what I also yeah, figured out today, to me. Keith? You know what I figured out today? I'm older than what? Tannewald. I'm older than oh, Tannewald really? and Jason Davis. Yeah, Tannewald said he had just he had been out of college 12 years. Think about okay. that. Yeah, that definitely puts me younger than you. Yeah, I was like, oh, God. And I, know, I know 
I know about the age Jason Davis is, and it, they're about the same age. I'm like, oh God, this just this just gave me another gray here. I'm, I'm like, I shouldn't uh, keep the keys. Oh, it's only going to get better. Trust me on this one. <laughs> when oh, oh, I yeah. see when I see because I the one that came up last week that I, I or two weeks ago was the uh, was the premiere for the final season of Boardwalk Empire on HBO. And I happened to see somebody put this up on Facebook, and it came up on the Cleveland Crunch, Cleveland Force slash Cleveland Crunch page on, on Facebook for those who remember those teams in those days. I'm like, why is there something about Boardwalk Empire in this page? And I scrolled down. A guy, one of the guys who had a very small minor role, but he was on screen for a few seconds, was a guy by the name of Ali Hoskavi. His father, Kai, was arguably the best player the Cleveland Force ever had, also played for the Finnish national team on a number of occasions back in the 1980s. And I'm thinking, I remember, not only, you know, it's, it's not just a case of, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, his, he's grown up, and I remember watching his dad play. I remember seeing this kid as an infant. When he was a newborn. He was born in the middle of the season. I remember Kai like Murray bringing in a few games that first year and the, and the second year. It's like, I saw this kid, you know, you know you know, baby carrier. <laughs> now he's on a TV, a big time TV show. So that one, so yeah, that that one I was was good for about a dozen gray hairs popping in <laughs> on that one. Well, we talk about Gus Johnson there. You know, Richard Deitch of uh, of Sports Illustrated had this had the first story on it, and. First of all, for those who are wondering, he, according to Gus in this article, it was a mutual decision, although Gus thinks he, he probably reached the conclusion first. And, and as you mentioned, Steve, there's a lot going on, but he's riding a real roller coaster. You know, his mother passed away last, last summer, this past summer, and she had been battling cancer for some time, and he had... <clears throat> Debated, you know, bailing out. Uh, was in fact talked to him last night. Talked to him just before the Champions League final, and he was contemplating getting out at that point. And she talked to him and said, "No, you, you do your job. This is this is your your livelihood. You need to go back and do this." Plus, and these are things I didn't know. He had he he's been raising a son, and he's also due to be getting married. I think either later this year or beginning of next year. So this man is riding a real roller coaster, not only of what things that are going on in his life, but the emotional roller coaster. And plus, he's the, he's the number one guy for Fox Sports on their college football and college basketball coverage as well. So this, I don't think, although Eric Shanks, now Eric Shanks, the president of Fox Sports, admitted that they did hear some of the criticism that was going on. He wouldn't say whether or not it was a factor. Um, but this is a little bit different scenario. I and that's so, not because of you know we're doing the Champions League because it's let's face it, there's only one sportscaster anybody deliberately tunes in or watches the game to listen to, and that's Vincent Edward Scully. Okay, we all know Dodgers said that's that's the reason for listening to a game. He's the only guy. And but for the most part, but everybody else. And this goes back to the days of Howard Cosell, who was basically an on-air columnist, as Blake Rudolph like to point out. People, if you, you, if you want to watch Monday Night Football, you had to watch. You watch in spite of him. And there's a number of guys out there. Brett Musburger in Columbus is despised something awful when he does Ohio State. <laughs> not, not, a, not, only, not only in Columbus, trust me. Well, my mother and father hated him. Well, True, but in Columbus it's especially bad because he went to Northwestern, another Big Ten school. So he sees the bias in that respect. Um, I know other people. You know, there's there's all kinds of sportscasters all over the place. Bob Costas is not universally loved by any stretch, although a lot of that has to do with some of his more recent political diatribes that he has gone out into in the last few years. Some of which I agree with, some of which I didn't. But you still had to, you had, you still had no other options you wanted to watch. You had to watch in spite of them. Well, Gus doing the Champions League, that's a different set of circumstances because I remember seeing on Twitter and Facebook and, and social media, people would put up links to web streams coming from Europe where you could watch the game and not listen to it. And that's a problem, problem. If you're Fox, if, you, if, you've got, if somebody has an option, 
even though it might be, you know, anything from sketchy, uh, sketchy to borderline illegal, if somebody can go and not watch you and still watch you, you have a problem here. So again, but no, you, can do, you can do that on everything now. You can do that yeah, on everything now. Think about it this way. True, but I'm saying, if you're here in America and there's a European sporting event on and you don't want to watch the American network telecasting, you can go someplace else, and that's a problem if you're the American network. And I, I, I've been doing again, that for years. I've been doing that for years with uh, um, the NFL because locally, um, Don Murphy, well, was before that, Van Miller, uh, nine times better than anything we've got in Nashville. I mean, I even do that with the Chicago Bears now. Jeff Joniak is amazing. I mean, I, I right. think this way. When, when I'm watching, the, when I'm listening to the Timbers, I refuse to um, listen to NBC Sports unless it's John Strong. And, and, to, and to bring it back around to okay, who's who's next? Now, I tweet, I messaged you this, or I texted you this early. Here's the interesting thing that's coming up with all of this. There's a lot of people we don't know the full list of names that are out there whose contracts are coming up at ESPN really yeah. soon. And here's two that right. are really, really out there. Alexi Wallace is up within the next year, and so is Twelman. Now, here's the thing: I never, I don't think Twelman's ever leaving ESPN. This, that's just a, that's just close to him. A Wallace could leave because Fox is in his backyard. He, he's never left. He never left LA. So that would yeah. be the easiest one as the commentator. It, I, I know a lot of people don't like Wallace, which is fine. There, there are people that don't like everybody. The other thing is, what do they do? Now, Fox, and this actually, this actually helps you out in a way, Keith, is that Fox likes to promote and find the, the new thing within. They like to promote from within. So that takes J.P. Del Cameron out completely. Here, no, it's a couple it's, names. That, JP's under contract to Fox. They signed, yes. Fox signed JP when ESPN dumped him. Now, he's working. Yeah, but, he, uh, he's I think he, but the thing is, I think he, he and John Strong got similar deals because Jim, well, JP and John Strong have been on both networks. And so they got no, some kind no, of deal no, with no, John, John Strong's never been at ESPN. He, he came away. He, they they no, took him away. Right I thought it was John Strong. With, with, um, they've been with, they're, they're doing stuff for both NBC, SN, and Fox. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying, but he, he, here's what here's the point with all this. JP's been around for years. JP's an old old hat when it comes comes to soccer. So what they're likely going to do is they're going to th- they're going to throw in John Strong. I mean, John Strong is I think a year older than me at this point. Or they're or they're going to go get Martin Tyler, Derek Ray, um, Ian Dark, and because see, Fox, I don't think so, ladies and gentlemen is Sky, and Sky cannot do the World Cup over the air. So here's the end around. You're just going to bring over, you're just going to bring over Natalie Sawyer, um, Jim White, Charlotte Jackson, if she's still, if she's still around after her baby, they'll, they will bring over Sky because that does the end around. They can, they can put people on. I wouldn't be completely I'm not against so sure about that because uh, it, first of all, Something else started today that Fox started doing, and they started doing, uh, and, and on Fox Sports Plus, they started for the Champions League uh, with the, uh, oh, I can't think of what they call it, but it basically, it's like the NFL Red Zone Channel, where you've got Fox with all, all the games going on at once, because you get, the Champions League always has all their games played at the same time. Now, if you have Fox Sports Plus, you have that option where you can do it. John Strong was hosting it, as a matter of fact. And this, this is definitely a, and it's a lot. And from what I was seeing on Twitter, got a lot of rave reviews, a lot of positive stuff about this. And that's something for Fox is very important because they've received a lot of criticism from the Fox community for being seen as not taking it as seriously as ESPN and NBC have done. And I think this is a step in the right direction. So I don't, and because of that, I don't think this "let's go British" thing is what Fox is going to do. I think what they're—I I personally, this is my personal opinion—is I think they'll stick with American people to kind of set themselves apart. Yeah, I know they got the Sky tie in, and I, that's a possibility. You might see Martin Tyler pop up, that or Derek Ray, but 
I don't think they'll do like ESPN did uh, with all the, with all, for their uh, international coverage of the World Cup and the European Championship. I really don't think so. And I, you know, and I know for one person at Fox that I talked to that they they like they're glad that they've been able to do this deal where they they can still bring John Strong in occasionally because they had him before the NBC deal with with the uh, with uh, with the MLS came on. And so they're, you know, they definitely, uh, when they saw they had the opportunity to get it back, they did. And I think they're, they're, so I think they're not going to go, for the most part, the Brit route, starting with next year's World, Women's World Cup, which is another subject we're going to talk about tonight. <clears throat> so, Mark, but mark my words, Wallace will be part of this in about three that's years. A good, that's a very good, it's a very good possibility. You're, you're, that, that one you got right, and I, and I told you before, I'll say this, if I'm Fox, if I want, if I want Lalas, I want 12 and 2. The two of them oh, yeah. don't always agree. And that, and especially 12 and 12 is very opinionated. Uh, he goes on and says things that not everybody likes to hear. You know, he's been very strident on the concussion issue uh, in, in soccer and, uh, and other areas. I think that having them together, especially in some kind of studio setting, would be good. So yeah, so I'll be very, it'd be very interesting to see your Fox going after Lalas. Yeah, pretty good possibility. Whether or not Twelve would leave, who knows? Uh, you know, if, he, if he, uh, whether or not he really loves it with ESPN, whether or not they can money whip him enough, who knows? At that point, I don't know what, how long Twelve's uh, contract is for. Twelve, I just don't. Okay, but maybe I same, just don't, off within the I same just don't see. Okay, but I just don't see Fox going the British route like ESPN did. At least not to that extreme. A couple of guys maybe, but you know, Martin Tyler or as you said, you know, Natalie Sawyer or Mark uh, or uh, Charlotte Jackson. But that's about it. I think. I think most of the people you're going to see on camera starting next year, both with MLS as well as the World Cup, are going to be Americans. And ho- uh, you know, hopefully, you're right about me. Uh, getting a break somewhere. I'm already starting to work the pedals. I've made phone calls. I'm putting out emails. Yeah, anybody I can find out there who can put me through to the right connection, I'm going after right now because uh, it's, you, to me, if, if you're not, if, if you're, now is the time because it's, the, you know, Gus even said in the article by, by Richard Deitch that he was, that he was, the, the Women's World Cup really had him nervous because he had no clue about what was going on in the women's game. And so I think whoever made the decision, I think this was the timing of it was good for the fact that this is, yeah, this Women's World Cup is is going to be a good first test for Fox because it's going to be a case of if here you're going to have all the games live and you can have them in prime time, uh, you know, it's a good starting point uh, for them to get, get into, especially since they'll have MLS as well. And to be able to say, okay, you know, Gus is not going to be the primary guy, but it gives them this starting next year, it gives them three years to, to, to bring, you know, bring in whoever they're going to bring in, which I'd love to include me, and, and, and set everything up, getting ready for the 2018 Men's World Cup in Russia. Oh, here's the other thing. You've got Heather Mitch, Julie Foudy up at ESPN probably pretty soon. I think I think Heather is from LA. No, Heather is from I thought Heather was from Cincinnati. Okay, good enough. Um you you or at least went to school at UC. I'm not hundred percent sure I'd have to look that up, but I'm I could have sworn that Heather was from Cincinnati originally. But I could uh, be wrong. I, I'm gonna eh, I'm gonna trust you on it. You're the sage oh, of oh, soccer anyway. Well believe me oh if Fox if Fox had any if there's any way they can make a pitch for Julie Foudy in the audience, that's good. I tell you, I would love to be Julie Foudy's agent in that because you you got you got a woman here not just for soccer, but she's proven to have some good reporter chops on other sports as well. This is a believe me, ESPN, especially since you you still got the Euros, you're going to have MLS back on a more regular basis next year. You better do all you can to hold on to her, and that, that's that's going to be fun to see if that sort of thing happens. I, I, Julie Foddy, whatever happens in her, she's going to be doing a lot better uh, come the end of next year, whichever decision he decides to make. 
And here's another name for you that could be as an analyst who is he's retiring really quickly and is really good. Thierry Henry. That's I could see that because he's 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 always he's always very poised on camera. He really he's very you know, he's got that European sophistication. He speaks English very well. There's I mean there's an accent you can tell, but it's not something that would, would Americans would deem unacceptable. I mean certainly there's enough people out there uh, on, on American television in sports that you know, we see us talking with with Hispanic accents, whether it be uh, Alejandro Moreno. Uh, well, I want to say Marcello Balboa because he doesn't have an accent when he speaks English. But yeah, there's a number of guys with 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 uh, Hispanic accents out there. I don't think his accent would be that big a deal. He's uh, it's no. just a question of you know can he, and he certainly is a you know knows what's going on out there. It's just a question: would he be able to adapt quickly to that kind of role? Uh, you know, we saw Tim Howard on some Premier League games, and he struggled at first. Uh, the different the difference though there though is. It's Thierry Henry. He's not been exposed as much to that American commentator mentality of I've got to say something every time there's a dead space. Uh, saying you know, that's one advantage Thierry Henry has. You know, being from Europe, he understands there's no, it's okay to have some silent period, just like in just like in baseball. So that that'll be interesting to see if anybody does make a move uh, for him. It wouldn't come as a total shock if it did. Yeah. So uh, the next topic up is obviously you wanted to bring this one up is the Women's World Cup coming up. And I, I have a feeling you ha- you're talking about turf and the issue. Yes, and- I am talking about the turf because there's a couple uh, things recently that have come up. In fact, Bobby McMahon did a column from Forbes.com that I saw today that I found very interesting. You know, the players uh, are, ramping, are trying to ramp up the pressure on FIFA. And – Bobby McMahon brought up two really good points. He said, okay, he told basically he said, okay, Canadian Soccer Association, the rumor is two things. Well, two things. Number one, last week on ESPN FC, they were talking about the 2020, 2022 World Cup in, in Qatar, and in 2026, and I guess one of the things that the soccer at Manchester is he hinted that he would like to see the 2026 World Cup in North America. And there's a lot of talk about Canada bidding for the 2026 World Cup. So Bobby Mamman put out the challenge. He said, okay, if truth is acceptable for the Women's World Cup, and that was part of the bid, and that was part of the reason why you got the Women's World Cup, do the same thing for the 2026 World Cup. Put it in and say, we're going to use turf field and see what happens. Because I guarantee you what the response would be. The response would be not a snowball's chance in Toronto in the summertime. So... And the other thing he brought up, I said I didn't realize, uh, Moncton, New Brunswick is one of the cities that is host that, that ho- they actually hosted under 20 World Cup games uh, this past year, and it's going to be a host in the World Cup next year. They had a stadium with a grass field and a very good one. They had to put in turf because FIFA wanted to make sure the competition is completely equal. In terms of playing surfaces, well, they have first of all they had a couple grass surfaces, in particular Toronto, at the National Stadium where Toronto FC plays that had grass, so it didn't fly for the under 20s. But now they say for the Senior World Cup, it has to be the same surface for all. So they had this grass field torn out at a cost of about a million and a half dollars, and a new turf field put in. Guess who paid for the new turf field? That's right, second the boys paid for it. So if they can pay to have a turf field put in, why can't they pay to have grass fields put in for next year's Women's World Cup? You know, we're talking about, I've seen cost estimates for all the studies they have, and you have from 3 to $5 million it would cost them to put in, put in grass fields for all those venues. And how much money did they take in this past summer in Brazil? Uh, I think they got the money. Just, just off the top, just as a wild guess, I think they got the money. So, but... All that aside, the end of the day, here's what's going to happen. One of two scenarios is going to happen. Number one, the World Cup is going to get played on artificial turf, and all the players are going to show up. Teams are going to show up. Number two, you're going to have some teams and some players say, I'm not playing, and the World Cup is going to go on on turf without them. Thus, the only people being hurt by it are the people who decided not to play. 
it's that simple. FIFA is not going to budge on this. They're not going to change their minds unless unless these lawyers that the women have hired are able to successfully go to court in Canada and say, yeah, you're violating Canadian law by doing this. Because remember, that's how the cooling breaks got put in for this year's World Cup. A Brazilian court issued an order saying, you have to do this. So therefore, they have they were legally people was legally obligated to do this. That's the only way you're going to get this changed, is for somebody to make a successful court case uh, in Canada to say, FIFA, you have to put your unless you put in grass, you're violating our equality laws and whatever other statutes may apply in this case. Do it. That's the only way it's going to happen. Otherwise, it's going to be on turf, and the players are going to have to decide: Do I want to sacrifice the World Cup? Uh, and be Don Quixote and tilt at windmills knowing full well this is going to do a thing. Because keep in mind, you know, the, the Lord High Executioner says that women's football should be played, women's football should be wearing tighter shorts and more feminine uniforms. That's a direct quote, by the way. And yet they think he's going to change his mind about this in the interest of equality. Yeah, uh, you know, ladies, I hope those lawyers of yours are really, really good. Because without really, really good lawyers, is not changing their stance. This is it's gonna be on turf and your each player just gets to decide, am I going to sacrifice a World Cup on a principle knowing full well I'm going to lose, or do I go and play anyway? So that's a decision every player is going to have to make. And and, and don't misunderstand. The players are right on this. The players are hundred percent right on this. This is this is this is discriminatory because it, this is this is something the men certainly wouldn't accept and people wouldn't force them to accept. So why is it different for the women? So I'm going to interrupt you right now because yes. see, Ryan Seal I found. What's up, man? Hey, Ryan. Hey, welcome back. Hey, how's it going, guys? So I wanted to drop you in on this conversation because we're doing, we're kind of doing like lightning round and top of, top of stuff. Now, obviously, Keith, Keith is happy that man. Manchester United won. I know. I know from following your following you on Twitter in the last month has been epic. As I said to um, Ruben about a, about a week ago, when you when you completely flipped your collective mind on Alexi Wallace, which was, I, I wish we could go back and recreate that whole Twitter reference, the whole Twitter thing when you lost it about um, Jermaine Jones, but that that, that was good. But also the, the whole watching Newcastle and that Mike is actually trying to buy Keith's favorite team, but he's not going to. He's trying to sell the team, but he's not. He's try- he gives a vote of confidence there on Pardew, but we don't know. I yeah, guess you know. Oh, go ahead. As Ray Hudson pointed out, and he's not—he's not been a new—he's not been part of Newcastle God, since the seventies. How much it pisses him off about this? And if you can make it, I'll put it this way: if you can make Ray, Ray Hudson mad. You know something bad has—you know something bad has happened. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's—it's. It's, it, Saying it's a mess is an understatement. I mean, until he sells, it's never going to fully get better. I mean, you know, if Pardew somehow does go, uh, whoever he brings in could even be worse. It's it's just not a very fun time. I mean, you know, definitely the fans deserve better. And, uh, you know, he's in it for a buck, doesn't care about what the fans think or the club or the team or anything. And he says now that um, he's not going to put the club up for sale this year or through next year. Um but the problem is also finding someone willing to pay that right now. You know, you can't, it's, it's hard to hit the asking price once when we're, you know, struggling like we are finishing 10th or 16th. I mean, it's, it's to find the right buyer and, and it, yeah, it's just a mess. And I mean, what good manager would want to come into the situation, you know, if Party does go, which uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to take a lot. He's that cheap that, you know, he doesn't want to have to pay out, uh, uh, to end the contract, so it's either going to have to get really bad or Party will have to quit, which he says he won't. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun next week, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw it, but I put out a tweet that I was hoping people would understand. I said, I said that uh, 
Newcastle certainly looked like they were standing in the dark at Southampton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that, and I mean, I'm kind of... We've Everybody had a tough time Beatles against them. Everybody gets the Beatles reference there, I hope, right? Yes. Yes. Good, good, good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and whole, you know, coming up, uh, Ben Arfa won't play against us, but I just, you know, right now, I mean, the scenes, if you guys get, if it's not on a major channel, you know, if it's not on the regular NBC Sports, if you get the extra time, you definitely should watch it. There's going to be protests, and, I mean, especially if we fall down early, it's going to get ugly, so... Um, yeah, I, if nothing I else, so it'll make for interesting it. TV. Yeah, I definitely plan to. I, I'm gonna have to uh, see what time it is because I get the uh, the the extra time, uh, so I'm gonna have to see when it's on because I'll have to, uh, you know I I'm away most of the morning Saturday to see my son play, and so I'll definitely I'll definitely have to go back and record that and see what it looks and sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll be if it's like the last time that there was a lot of unrest, it's gonna be pretty. Uh, Pretty crazy atmosphere. Oh, and I, I'm, I'm watching the Arsenal. I'm watching the Arsenal um, City game. It's, it's still really odd to me to see Frank Lampard out there in blue, in light blue. It's how how Man City is getting around the financial fair play rules, and that's a that's a whole discussion for a whole other show about financial fair play because I could rip into that one, but pretty rarely. I did want to give you well, a that was, on Yeah, we would want to get Cardigan <laughs> on that one because he's the he's the expert on that. Although from what I've read from him, and I, I read, if I'm off, I apologize. It's basically, from what he has, I've read from what he what I'm gathering, what he writes is that financial fair play is more about just pure spending numbers rather than going into debt. And that's the if that if that's the case, that's the real flaw. See to me, I don't have a problem with the club spending money if they have it. Like a buyer muted, for example. Buyer muted do not owe anybody a euro whatsoever. They are debt free. They have money on hand. If they want to spend that money if they have it hand, I don't have a problem with that. It's when Teams like a Manchester United, I'm going to say that because, yes, they had to, they've borrowed a boatload of money, and this is related to the Glazers uh, buying the club and using the club as their personal ATM. But when you borrow money to spend a lot, that's a problem. That's, that's what should be penalized, not spending the money that you have on hand in the bank that belongs to you. No. Keith, I do want to give you a couple. I do want to give you some time to talk about Manchester United because I mean, I kind of that's how I said the show was going to end up, and then Gus Johnson leaves. Well, we're, I'll, I'll make it brief because I also want to get to Cutter twenty twenty two because something came up last week about that. But man, you, I think it definitely looks a lot better, at least especially as far as the attack is concerned. You know, they, you know, uh, 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 Van Hall has obviously decided to change the system. And that's the sign of a good coach, no matter what sport it is. To be able to, it, it's, you know, it's a lot easier, it's a lot smarter, I should say, to adapt a system that fits the personnel you have rather than try to force, do the old square peg in the round hole thing and force players into a system. He realized with what he has, he's better off doing this four in the back. And part of it is injury. He still doesn't have Luke Shaw yet. It was Marcus Rojo's first game back. You know, when those two are fully are fully integrated, it might go back to a three-man back line. But as a couple of the guys pointed out, as Robin Earl uh, pointed out, if you're going to play three in the back, all three defenders better be really, really good. And they don't have that yet. They don't have three good and healthy defenders. They will once Rojo is integrated and Luke Shaw is fully fit again. But Van Gaal obviously adapted to what he had. Uh, he's got, Di Maria is going to make a huge difference. In this team, he already had. He was. It, I mean, he looked. He made things look better against Burnley, just with who he had out there. Then he brought these other changes. I tweeted five minutes into the match. This already looks a lot better. But I'm not getting too wound up just yet, even though uh, the club management have said right now they still think they can finish in the top four. 
they, I think they still can, uh, but things you know, they're going to have to have a lot more results like this. It's not impossible. Chelsea is not going to win all their games. Uh, you know, the teams like you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Liverpool, they're going to have the European commitments to deal with, and that's going to make a difference, especially for Liverpool. But it's definitely looking a lot better, and I think once all the backline players are healthy, you're going to see a much different Manchester United than what you saw uh, the first couple weeks of the season. Another thing, and I want to bring you in on this one, Ryan, before we get to Cutter. Um, I'm just fooling around on Twitter right now, and apparently Reddit, uh, MLS Reddit is reporting that the MLS is announcing Sacramento on Friday. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I saw a tweet uh, today about uh, uh, the mayor, Kevin Johnson, uh, the former Phoenix Suns player, uh, getting heavily involved in all of that and uh, wanting to get uh, MLS there. And they've certainly been pushing for it for quite a while. So that's, uh, that is rather interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this is going to come about and, because another thing that came up, and uh, this is something that uh, Alicia Rodriguez had a great column about on, on SB Nation regarding Chivas USA. The reports are coming out that are saying that there's a very strong possibility that Chivas USA will not play next year and might not even play in 2016 while the rebranding, selling of the team, all that other stuff goes on. So a few, there's been a little bit of talk of maybe that that's what's going to happen to Chivas, is that they're going to... And, and, one of the things Alicia pointed out is nobody from MLS has really come out and said, denied this. This isn't like when... When the talk first surfaced about Beckham giving up on Miami and going to buy Chivas, you would say it said MLS was right on top and said, nope, not going to happen, period. But nobody in MLS has commented on this yet. And I can't, I can't remember who broke the original story. Brian, Brian Strauss. Brian Strauss broke this story originally that this was, that this was being talked about. And, and Alicia says he can usually be trusted. Uh, but Alicia had a great column basically saying, we, you know, for all of us fans, and I've been there. I know what this feels like to put your heart and soul behind a team, only to see it, you know, run into the ground and take it away from you, even on a temporary basis. It hurts. So that's going to be interesting to see if somebody starts asking, okay, is this going to be, are they just going to take Sacramento Republican, or is Chivas moving up there, or what? That's going to be, that's going to make for a pretty dynamic, a pretty interesting dynamic on multiple fronts. Well, what do you what do you think of that, Ryan? Um, yeah, it, it's definitely Chivas messed up messed up situation. Um, and I mean, you know, if they think it's best for the club, I suppose. I mean, I I don't see why you know I I could see them like maybe missing next year, but I I don't see why you know it'd have to be two years. Um, but you know that that's ultimately their call. I mean, I think Sacramento. It's it's nice to see Kevin Johnson get involved, like Steve Nash. You know, kind of have a um, uh, for the casual fan or even people not into soccer that'll get into it. You know, it's kind of nice to have someone like that champion it. I mean, the thing is, are, you know, are they growing too fast? Obviously, Garber wanted his New York teams, and, and we're getting that. But, you know, jumping up all these, uh, this number of teams now, you know, talk of getting up to up to 24. I mean, at what point, how many is too many? I mean, especially under the single entity um, system, which I think is, more and more quickly becoming outdated, and I think it's going to create an even bigger disparity between the between the haves and have-nots. So, yeah, while I think it's good for Sacramento, I definitely think it could be bad for a lot of markets and a lot of teams. Yeah, I'm. I, I do. I still think, and I'm not trying to criticize. You know, the clubs or their fans of all these teams they've been adding recently, but I do think they're they've progressed a little bit. They've gone a little too far in the expansion. I, if it had been up to me, right now I think you know, 16 teams would have been ideal at this point. Maybe 18. Uh, you know, certainly, MLS has done a lot better than anybody has expected for 20 years. Uh, the biggest reason to me being the soccer-specific stadium issue. Uh, which is greatly lower cost and allow teams to you know, control more of their their revenue stream. Uh, 
single entity is something that certainly uh, needs to be phased out. I think MLS wants to do that uh, I, in some fashion or another um, because you've got these people putting up this money. They want to have more say. So and I, and, uh, you do have to have some kind of structure where you, do, as you said, Ryan, you don't want to see a big separation between the haves and the have-nots. It's one of the reasons why the NFL is so successful is is because is for, is because of that, um, mm-hmm. with the revenue sharing and things of that nature. The, the NBA has done pretty well. Uh, you look at you look at San Antonio. You know, in an open market, there's no way San Antonio could be with the New Yorks and the Miamis and Los Angeles. But they won five championships in twelve years. They have a system that's not perfect. It's certainly done pretty well in terms of making allowing smaller markets to compete with bigger markets. The NHL realized that, restru- although they had to give away a season. You know, they restructured to a point where you where smaller market teams can compete with bigger market teams in terms of spending on players. And when your MLS does need to have that in place, it would be ideal to have, a, a first of all, owners actually more control their teams than one, and number two, be able to set up clearer rules about player allocations, whatever the case may be. Bruce Arena is about to get fined by MLS because he's spoke to the Washington Post oh, heavily criticized. You know, they did find, yeah, he criticized how the Sasha Question situation was handled. Um, he taught he was not happy with how it was uh, how the allocation with Jermaine Jones went. He was very. It's on the Washington Post website. Uh, he really uh, he all but accused MLS of trying to to make sure Question didn't get to Los Angeles, which is rather interesting to me because a lot of people say they have an L.A. bias at MLS offices. So, um, so yeah, Bruce Arena's not happy. He's, and he's going to feel it in the wall that comes tomorrow morning, obviously. That, but to be honest with what Bruce Arena said, he's not wrong. Go, go back, and there's about three podcasts back of Center, Center of the Galaxy where uh, – Josh and Adam Serrano talk about or corner of the galaxy, corner of the galaxy. Talk, yeah. talk about, talk about all this. This is what this is like when the BBC used to tweak Alex Ferguson. Bruce Arena is the Alex Ferguson of MLS. He's crotchety. He's full of himself. He's got the trophies. He's 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 gone to the national team, albeit Alex Ferguson was there because Jack Stein died. But he's well, he's got better hair than he's got better hair than Alex Ferguson. So anyway, um, Cutter, what did you want to talk about with Cutter? Well, uh, last week, this came, this came up last week. It was on, on last Wednesday's ESPN FC show, and they were talking about Cutter, and apparently. People put together a committee with uh, the head of the European Clubs Association, people from the Professional Football Association, a lot of big, big weeks in the football world, uh, to discuss the dates for the 2022 World Cup. And they were now. First of all, one thing I found interesting is they got three. They had three options. One was the original June July dates of 2022. Second was November December 2022. And the third one. This is the first time I saw anything about this. Was the third option was November, December 2021. Okay. Because FIFA has promised they're not going to do it. They have promised the International Olympic Committee. In fact, I think Seth Blatter personally told Thomas Koch, the president of the IOC, is we're not going to play the World Cup in January, February. Okay. He's made that promise. The, uh, the, the one article that was uh, from um, Gabriel Marcotti, who was on ESPNFC, he also contributes to the London Times and many other publications in Italy as well, uh, why he feels beholden to the IOC, I don't know, but he did that. But what happened was this committee was formed there. This was the first meeting last week, and they're supposed to meet again in November. But at that same Soccer X conference in Manchester I mentioned, Sepp suddenly popped up and said, oh, yeah, the World Cup in Qatar is going to be November, December 2022. Make your plans accordingly. In effect, that's what he said. So Marcotti and Craig Burley both were saying, well, why do you bother putting this committee together? which hasn't finished the meetings yet, if you've already made the decision to move this. You know, what, what was the point of all that, number one? And number two, 
the European, the head of the European Club Association, who's also AC Milan's president, I can't think of his name, Tom Mann, have said, no, no, we're not ready to accept this yet. You know, because he, he brought one of the points he brought up, this is a pretty good one. If you look at the rosters of the World Cup this past year, this past year 75% of the players play for European clubs. You know, these guys still have some say-so, and I think they still have some say-so in this matter. And it's, it's obvious that two things are on. Well, first of all, it probably, what Sepp said is probably going to happen. You know, because, like I said, Sepp is Lola in, in Damn Yankees. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. And Sepp realizes that this weather issue, you know, sooner or later, he's going to have to, he's got to come to terms with this. Because, and, this, and here's something Craig Burley brought up. If you are going to move it to November, December, what, what happened to those air-cooled stadiums you promised us? Because the people in Qatar, they have said, and they're still saying, no, we're still planning for a summer 2022 World Cup, June, July. We have not agreed to this change yet. We're not planning for this change. So what became of those air-conditioned, air-cooled stadiums they were supposed to be building? Huh? How, where is somebody in the media coming up saying, hey, what happened to this? Isn't this going to happen anymore? You know, wasn't this part of the plan when you sold us this bill of goods? which some people might take literally, obviously. So it, it's, at the end of the day, this, first of all, this World Cup's not going to be with Qatar barring some serious international human rights pressure, and I mean serious. And I know ESPN did a great story on the foreign worker abuse that goes on in that country. Uh, it was a terrific piece that Jeremy Schaap and everybody at ESPN did, but without some, you know, international pressure at a ver- uh, to equ- equivalent to what was done with South Africa to force them to abandon apartheid and compress it down to like a five-year period, this World Cup is not leaving Qatar, I don't think, anyway. Now, I could be wrong. You know, maybe the world community will come to this and see it. But the, if whatever changes you want FIFA to make, if if, if, if Pressuring FIFA is not the way to do it. The way, the way to do it is what we're seeing this week in the NFL. If you notice, about three or four major NFL sponsors are starting to either criticize or cut ties with the NFL because of all these incidents we've been seeing regarding domestic violence with, involving players. And the, you know, I, a couple of, uh, I, I think it was uh, their hotel sponsor is planning to cut ties. And even Anheuser-Busch issued a very strong statement criticizing the NFL for the way they handled it. The world community, if they want to bring about these changes with FIFA, whether it be the turf of the World Cup or the, or the worker abuse in Qatar, go, start pressuring the sponsors. You get on their case, and that's where you're going to get FIFA to listen. Because Seth does not see Seth sees himself as impervious to pressure. He's not going to bow to anybody. Uh, who, who doesn't have power to match him. Well, those sponsors have power to match him because those sponsors are where he gets his money from. And as, as the late Mark Felt told Bob Woodward at the beginning of Watergate, follow the money. Yeah, and there's our monthly, there's our, there's our monthly um, hit on Watergate. It, if you guys haven't caught on, Keith and I make a lot of really random references in the top ten is usually Watergate. There's usually a Watergate reference, Civil War reference, or the, or the Mayflower trucks leaving Baltimore in the middle of the night, just out of, out of the blue. Or and I was actually going to refer to you as the Brian, the Brian. Is it Sip or Sap? The the oh god, what is his name? The, the Browns quarterback in the fifth in the sixties. That was the cardiac the cardiac QB. Brian Seip. Is that Brian Brian Seip. Okay. Brian I know Seip, he yes. went, yeah, he went on to play with the Bears. I, there was a bunch of your ex quarterbacks that wanted to play with the Bears, which was well, a no, lot no. of Seip went to the New Jersey Generals in the USFL. He didn't go to the Bears. And, in fact, I think he's, he's coaching at college now. I think at San Diego State where he went to school. But, yeah, that was yeah. Brian Seip back in the late 70s and early 80s, and I remember very well because I've – I froze my buns off in Cleveland Stadium in that playoff game at the end of the 1980 season when it was the windshield was 35 below zero, 
and he threw that interception that cost the Browns a trip to the Super Bowl that year. Oh, I just got a cold chill up my back just thinking about that one. Oh yes, there's a lot. There's a lot of those from the late '70s, like the the, um, the San Diego um, Bengals one. That's just the, the cold game too. Um, Freezer Bowl. Yes, I say I said Dave. I talked to Dave Lapham once, who was playing was guard for that team. He says to this day, temperature gets below 45 degrees. He's got to put on his coat because the the linemen all play with no shirt sleeves. His skin starts hurting because of that. To, to this day, the temperature drops below 50 degrees because of that game. Oh, I can imagine. I remember the whole the the whole um, NFL Network did a bit about that one a while back. Yeah, they that, did the top you know, the top coach. ten bad weather games. Yeah, they did the top ten bad weather games. And of course, the Ice Bowl in Green Bay was number one. Bart Bart Starr says to this day, he thinks about that game. He starts getting cold. Yeah. Um, they they used this on the um, football show about a week ago, but. Who is the one player for the U.S. national team that you do not want to see ever turn out for him? That's just there, but you, you just don't want to see him make it up. Because what they were talking about, and this was a day where they had Neil Barnett and Ray Hudson, who Ray Hudson hates the England national team, and Neil Barnett doesn't like anything that has a Liverpool connection to it because he's the Chelsea, he's the Chelsea main anchor on Chelsea TV, which is just Chile, Chile, Um, they were saying is that there's some call for Lee Catterall to go to play for the for the um, British national team, which they were both saying, no, no, you don't put Catterall on the team. He stinks. So, who, if you had to think of someone that that's out there still that people want to have come up, but should, that really shouldn't. Ah, uh, I. I can't think of anybody really off the top of my head. Um, you know, certainly, Kelly Hall. Uh, you know, no, it's not. It's not. It's the guys who you know, have for the older guys uh, for the most part are gone. People like you know, like your know, Carlos Bocanegra just retired recently, and I, I didn't have any. Again, Carlos was a terrific player for us, but you know, you think more in terms of older players who are losing it. Uh, Yes, sir. The Aguchi Ayewu is a player who I, you know, I had his problems when he once he turned thirty, but I don't see him play and be considered for the national team again. But other than that, I I can't think of anybody out there right now who I say no, I don't want this guy around. Um, I think you know, Jurgen, for the most part, has done a good job in picking the players as far as the pool is concerned. Uh, it's just a question of picking the right 11 for the matches that has, was certainly was an issue uh, in the World Cup, especially uh, especially after Josie Altidore got hurt. Yeah, the, one of the other ones people were um, talking about is, um, is oh, um, not Josie, is the other one. The guy that's over, in, over at Utrecht right now, um, the, the former Red Bulls guy that went over. Um, God, what's his name? He's the striker that Stoke just yeah. took over. A completely yeah, blank. Juan Agudillo. That's who it is. Yeah, Aguadelo. Yeah, Juan Aguadelo. I don't. I think he did okay. Uh, I'm not. I, I. There are other players better than him, certainly, out there. Uh, I would not say no. I would not want him out there at all. But I think he's in a place that we're in a place now. There are other younger, up-and-coming players that are going to get time ahead of him. I wouldn't say you know, I wouldn't put Juan Aguadillo in the same category necessarily as Lee Catterall. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't scream you know all kinds of nasty things if you're supposed to be included Aguadillo in the national team side, especially if he was running out of options at that position. But I wouldn't. Uh, but certainly there are a lot of other players uh, he could pick ahead of him. I don't, you know, Aguadelo. I'm not sure how much of a future he has with the national team, but I, uh, you know, it wouldn't cause me huge consternation if they picked him. Now we all know the U.S. Open Cup final is in Philadelphia today, and Aaron Stolar just fired off the tweet that wins the day. Jonathan Tanwall's there, and he, he says. 
Carlos Feldes is up and jogging to the sideline, which and holding what appears to be his abdomen and stomach. Stolar retweets and says, "Ah, the new Donovan McNabb." <laughs> yeah. Aaron Stolar, you just won Twitter for the night. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that's totally brilliant. To which to which Tannerwald goes, Carlos Valdez returns to the field. I know Donovan Tannerwald. And Aaron Stolar, he is Sir No Donovan McNabb. <laughs> McNabb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty. Philadelphia sports fans have long memories. (laughs) There is no question there. They're they're among the best sports fans in the country, and part of the reason is they're some of the most demanding and most difficult. And I think that's, I see that as a positive. I think that's a good thing. uh, You know, a a, a city like Philadelphia, you've got to. You've got to lay it all out there. You know, it's, you know, being gifted and talented is one thing, but you better, you better give your. It's the, it, it goes well. It goes back before that, but it's that Rocky mentality. You know, that's what they want to see. They don't care how talented you are. You know, it goes back. It goes back to you know Eagles players like Norm Van Brocklin and Chuck Bednarik. You know, guys like that who. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Van Brocklin and Bednarik are both in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and deserve to be, but but these were guys. You know, they took no guff. They were tough. They gave everything they had, uh, and that's what Philadelphia fans want to see. That's why you know a guy like a guy like a Mike Schmidt was so loved. I mean, yeah, it was the greatest third baseman I've ever seen. But the guy, you, you, you he never cheated a fan out of his money. Yeah, he gave everything he had that day, no matter what the case, no matter what the case be. Bobby Clark, another great example. Your know, guy goes, guy playing hockey as a diabetic, and in the 1970s when the care. The, the care and treatment of diabetes certainly wasn't what it is today. And you're playing, and you're playing hockey, that kind of intense sport where you get cut all the time. It, 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 those are the kind of people that Philadelphia fans love, and that's what they want to. That's the kind of attitude they want to see uh, out of their athletes. And those that do give that are, are rewarding. Even Julius Irving, you know, Julius Irving's regards. You know, flashy, high flying, graceful, and everything else. But he, you know, the guy gave his all for those teams, even when they were so the team were so screwed up because of all the crazy personalities they had out there. You know, the Daryl Dawkins and the Lloyd Freeze and the George McGinnis and all, and, and and yes, Kobe Bryant's dad Joe, who played for them briefly too. And so that's <laughs> the Donovan McNabb reference there. Is is really brilliant. It really says a lot about the Philadelphia fans. You, you, you gotta love the soccer culture where we throw in references of Watergate, Donovan McNabb, Mayflower references, and all that. Anyway, we're coming up to the end of the show here. Um, next week, I have no idea what we have planned. Of course, I'll probably come into Friday thinking absolutely nothing, and then something big will happen, or. We'll get or a guest will pop into our lap. Or well, we're working, I, I'm, working, I, I'm working on Alan Hinton. You know, Alan Hinton, the former Derby County player and also longtime coach here in America with Tacoma Stars, among many others. I'm more, I've exchanged emails with him, so we're working on getting him on there to hopefully talk about both soccer cultures as hopefully a few good Brian Clough stories I'm hoping to hear out of him as well. We never heard back from that Swedish player that wanted to be on this on our show either. No, we never did. Oh, well, we have fans over in Birmingham that want to be on the show. I have a writer over in Birmingham that is dying. He cool. says he wants to be on. Yeah, he he loves the show over. If we can, over hey, if we can pull it off, I'd, if we can pull off, I'd love it. My brother would love it too because you know, my brother's an Aston Villa supporter, so he'd love that. Yeah, I was going to mentally block out last weekend for Liverpool just because it was, oh, it was not fun. Yeah. Well, anyway, long hopefully season, next long week, way to go. Yeah, hopefully next week we'll get Alan Hinton or something else. I, 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 I have my mind wandering on Coventry City for some some reason. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Either way, or 
either way, or I'm going to try to find Luke James, the guy that wrote um, Club Soccer 101, and I want to talk to him about why he uh, didn't put in some teams and put in some other teams. So the San Diego, the San Diego, he puts in, he doesn't put in the New York Cosmos or anybody from the old NESL, but he puts in the um, San Jose. San Jose Earthquake and references to the old NASL. Really? I'm not knocking because it looks like it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant book, by the way. It, it talks about every team out there, even what, even one that's not going to, even one that I keep wishing bodily harm on, and, and Keith knows where I'm going on this one. Anyway, we will talk to you next week. I'm Stephen Brandt, and that's Keith O'Kippa. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.